Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning to you. Our lines are open 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls this morning. And shortly on the show, we are going to hear from the communities of Canturk and Castle Magnar uh, following the events that unfolded yesterday at the Talent of Asilis. Uh, this is a heartbreaking news, a really sad situation. Our thoughts are with the family, the friends and the entire community of Kenturk and Castle Wagner and the wider North Cork community and Mooney, Southern correspondent with the Irish Sun will join me shortly on what is happening with that particular situation. Also, elsewhere over the weekends, the Cabinet has agreed for on-the-spot fines for people breaking new COVID guidelines. Not everybody is happy about this. Some TDs feel maybe if they went and enforced the message on how people can prevent the spread of COVID, it would be better rather than mentioning the word fine. Anyhow, Cork North Central Deputy Mick Barry will join us on that particular topic. Also discussing the border poll. Is Ireland ready or not ready for a particular border poll? And how would it work out a lot of questions on both sides in the Republic and in the North and how things would work. I mean uh, firstly from the North of Ireland's perspective a lot of people there are asking how would the health service works, uh, would work if this was ever to become a reality. Uh, so there's a lot of, of questioning and a lot of uh, debate and a lot of detail before anything happens about our border poll but we'll discuss that this morning your view is welcome and Joe Heffernan will join us discussing self-harm our regular councillor Joe joining us after 12.30 that are more to come this morning and your views or anything you want to raise on the show uh, you're welcome to get in contact with us Bernie and Sadie taking those calls 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 but it's Kenturk and Castle Magner. Uh, we're going to start the show with this morning as postmortems will be carried out today at CUH on the bodies of three men from a North Cork family following that apparent murder-suicide yesterday. The events, as I mentioned, they unfolded in the townland of Asilis between Kenturk and Castle Magner and Southern correspondent with the Irish Sun and Mooney joins me. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, JP. And this is heartbreaking and I'm very conscious of the communities tuned to us this morning, very near uh, where we are situated here in Goosil, in Mallow, in, in the Canturk and Castle Magner. 
uh, communities. And it was this time yesterday, Anne, uh, that the events were unfolding. Yes, it was, uh, JP. I suppose the first um, indication that we got that something was wrong was when we got um, mail emails from Garda Press telling us that there was a media blackout over an incident uh, in Kanturk. Um So, uh, obviously, when something like that happens, uh, we tend to um, head to that area uh, just to be on hand uh, in case something serious is developing. Uh, and as it turned out, this was something that none of us could have anticipated uh, in that is, uh, we discovered that it was um, a murder, double murder, um, suicide tragedy. Obviously, not at the beginning, um, but certainly rumours started to filter through that one person was dead, and then uh, you know continued, and, and that there were three people dead, which seemed quite unbelievable. Um, but this incident, uh, which uh, Gardy described as a critical firearm incident, uh, kicked off at about six thirty. Well, earlier, actually, when um, Anne O'Sullivan, the mother of the victims, um, uh, Tyg, um, sorry, Mark, 25, and Jeremy, 23, and wife of Tyg, um, 59, who um, was in the house, uh, in the farmhouse, um, on the outskirts of Kenturk, uh, and heard she heard a fire a shot, and she left the house and ran to... Uh, the neighbour's house to raise the alarm. Um, Gardaí said yesterday that she didn't have a phone, so she had to make her way um, there. Uh, at about 6.30 then, uh, Gardaí arrived at the scene. Uh, they had been informed that gunshots had been, fu- been fired. So, um, as, as in cases like this, the area was uh, completely cordoned off and uh, they, um, they put a cordon outside and um, they brought in a, a, a trained negotiator uh, to try to speak to any people who were in the house. Um, and so uh, throughout the morning, um, attempts were made to contact people, anybody that might be in the house, um, but they were getting no response. So around one o'clock, um, a team uh, made its way into the house where they discovered the uh, body of Mark in a bedroom upstairs and um, there was no there was no sign of the other uh, of, of uh, Dermot or of Tyke and so uh, immediately they launched a, a, a manhunt I suppose technically uh, to try and discover where they were the guard the, um, the air support unit was uh, was in action there at the time um, as were a whole um, section different sections qualified sections from uh, the emergency response unit from uh, armed support unit, uh, the national negotiator unit, technical support unit, um, and the southern region dog unit. So um, at about one forty, um, the crew on board the helicopter uh, spotted two bodies lying in the field. Um, about a five minute walk from the house, we're told, um, and uh, that's the. the uh, the, the, that area was immediately cordoned off as well. Um, so it was a, a dreadful tragedy for the whole the whole area, um, not just for family, the immediate family, but for all of the people, all the relatives, all the people who know know them. A um, guard they uh, had set up a headquarters in Kenturk Garda Station, and later that evening they held a press conference there, uh, where Superintendent Adrian Gamble. Um, 
outlined uh, what Gardaí had done and uh, how they had dealt with the with the whole situation. Uh, he did um, say that um, there were uh, there was nobody else wanted in connection with the um, with the, the terrible tragedy, which immediately indicated that it was the. Uh, uh, um, a double murder, suicide, and that uh, the people involved were, or the people who died were the people who were involved in in the incident. Um, they, he did say as well that they had recovered um, firearms um, uh, at the scenes, and that these were being sent for technical examination. Um, so they 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 literally um, he obviously. Uh, passed on his condolences to the family and uh, said that family liaison officer had been appointed uh, to help uh, the family through this. Um, surprisingly, um, JP, it's not something that happens very often, but uh, later in the evening, uh, Garda Press, at the request of the family, issued three photographs of the three victims of this tragedy. Um, and it's it's emerged during the during the day that they were uh, the two families were very well known in the both on Anno Sullivan side and on Tiger Sullivan side. They were long established families from that area that they were very respected, very well liked, had been very much involved in the local community. Uh, the two boys had gone to the local schools and to the secondary school, and uh, they had been involved in the local GA club and other clubs in the area. The um the boys, um I understand that Mark uh graduated um from UCC and um then went on to do a master's in law, I think, in uh University of Limerick while Dermot was a student in CIT in Cork City. Um the farm I understand wasn't was leased uh, the family weren't working the farm themselves. Um, and I understand that it was owned by Mrs. O'Sullivan. Um, and that there appears to have been some dispute over a proposed will that may possibly have sparked this terrible incident. Um, so and of course their dad, Tyg, was well known as well, uh, working well, in a, a nearby Tyg motor company. Yeah. Yeah, and Dermot, well, I think, was due yeah. to graduate uh, shortly as well from CIT. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and and to live for you know and exactly. Like, and, yeah. And I suppose uh, uh, the one the one person who's to- who who would be in everybody's toast today um, is is uh, the mother and wife in this uh, terrible situation who uh, bravely made her way to the neighbours to get help. And uh, despite I'm told being extremely ill herself, um, I understand that she had had a, a very um, a very um, an operation in Dublin, and had just returned back to the area where she was staying with neighbour with friends, and uh, that herself and um, and Mark had just returned to the house on Sunday, and that this whole thing then sparked off on in the early hours of uh, Monday morning, running into Monday later. And poignant seasons and last night in Asilis uh, with the hearses removing the bodies uh, from uh, the home place and of yeah. course post-mortems now being carried out this morning yeah. in CUH. 
the state pathologist, Dr. Margaret Bolster, attended at the scene uh, of both both scenes, which were both designated as crime scenes. And um, she did her preliminary on-site examination there, um, as did uh, well the members of the guard, the technical bureau, had come down from Dublin, and uh, they are examining the scenes in greater detail this morning and, and throughout the day. Um, and the, she, Dr. Bolster will carry out post-mortems on three bodies today in CUH. And you also, Anne, yesterday, you spoke with those in the local communities of Canturk and Castle Magna. You mentioned there they were well known in the communities. And I know the communities this morning, uh, they're, they're just in deep shock. And you spoke to so many who knew them and were just yes. taken back on what happened. Yes, I, I have to say um, I met a man whose um, son went to school, in, uh, went to secondary school in Canturk with... Um, with Mark, and um, he's the same age, the same age as him now, uh, 25. And uh, he talked about the great times they had of the, the discos in the Highlands, I think. Yeah, uh, the Highlands in Newmarket, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, Mark coming to his house, and what a lovely, friendly boy he was, you know. Um, and then um, there were some others, there were two ladies who were extremely distressed when they when they um, had heard the news and uh, had spoken about the family with with deep um, appreciation of what they would have uh, done in the community and how well known they were and how respected they were. Um, I think, you know, that this hit at the very heart of the community because they were people who were known there at GP and they were people who, who were loved and respected. And I think that... You know, when it, it, it takes the heart out of the community when something like this happens, any any tragedy like this that draws media attention, such such extreme media attention, uh, and that's to be expected. Uh, you know, it it, it certainly um, kind of tears the community apart, I suppose, in the sense that um, they're coping with um, the realization that three very respected members of their of their community are gone. Um, but not only that, that there is a woman left with her entire family um, gone in, 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 I suppose, a few hours of madness. Yeah, and our sympathies again to everybody in that community. It is, it's very tough, the families, for the friends, the neighbours and everybody in both Kenturk and Castle Magner. And, and thank you for, for joining us and we'll hear more over the course of the next few days uh, from uh, that particular investigation. But for the moment, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, that's Anne Mooney there who's Southern Correspondent with the Irish Sun and earlier this morning when we speak of the community and how the community is rallying around uh, their neighbours their friends and the wider family uh, Paul Gallagher uh, from Castle Magna GA he said the community is numb I'm absolutely devastated by the news we woke up to yesterday morning and you know it's not something you would ever believe would be visited on your doorstep it's an absolutely heartbreaking situation or I suppose as a community we're numbed and it'll take a long, long time as well to recover from this. Paul Gallagher there from the nearby Castle Magnar GAA on the community feeling on the ground this morning in Castle Magnar and indeed Kenturk. Uh, our sympathies uh, to Anne, mother to the two boys, Mark and Dermot, and wife to Tig, uh, to their entire family, to their friends and neighbours, and to the communities of Kenturk and Castle Magnar and the wider communities of North Cork. Yesterday, 
Grevshed. On Cork today on this Tuesday morning our lines are open 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Shortly on the programme we are going to discussing uh, the fines that people have been speaking about because the Cabinet has agreed on the spot fines for those who do break the new COVID guidelines not everybody agrees with these particular fines and feel that maybe it would be more in the line to look at how they can enforce those to prevent the spread rather uh, than finding people. Cork North Central Deputy Mick Barry will join us on that shortly. And also we're getting a lot of texts and calls in from people who have mixed views on shops and feel it's unfair that some of the smaller uh, maybe drapery stores or clothes shops had to close. Maybe some would have to prove they're selling PPE gear to stay open but some people feel it's unfair uh, that some of those stores have to close during this time as there's enough pressure on people as it is. We'll get to that across the show as well. This morning people have mixed views on that and also while we are speaking about Level 5 and all of that there is uh, some good news I'll bring you next because it looks like and it's uh, an Irish well not an Irish company but a company based here in Cork Pfizer uh, they are looking at a vaccine that could be available in this particular country over the next few months of next year. We'll tell you more about that next. With Level 5 restrictions now in place, it's more important than ever to keep it local. That's why C103 asks you to make every effort to shop locally. Whether it's in store for essentials online or click and collect. A thriving local economy is good for everyone. You'll save time and support local jobs. Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group, where you can shop local for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Thank you for keeping it local. Thank you for keeping it local. From everyone at C103. What you believe in matters. And when you make your will, you can stand up for the causes closest to your heart. If that includes making sure everyone in Cork has a home... Please leave a gift to Cork Simon in your will. Whatever the amount, it could one day help change the life of someone who is homeless. To find out more, please call Leona on 021-432-1166 or go to corksimon.ie. That's 021-432-1166. Oh wait, hang on, you brought the gift, right? Yep, right here. Crisps? You brought crisps? They gave us that gorgeous candle. They're not crisps. They're cues. Okay. I did think they only got us that candle. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye. Unlike other crisps, kyo's taste so good because they're grown and cooked by us on our family farm using locally sourced Irish ingredients. So you see, there's crisps and then there's kyo's. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now, while we're all looking for some hope when it comes to COVID, here's something that came out across the weekend and it has sparked hope because Pfizer here in Ireland, of course, who are located in Cork, they have said they have strong signs of the company's experimental jab that it could be approved by the end of next month. And if it is, it shows optimism because Antonio Shilly of Varadkar was out at the weekend and he said that Irish people could get a COVID vaccine in the first few months of next year if everything goes 
okay with this particular product. He has said that he has information from those companies and that they are developing those particular jabs and they're confident enough that hopefully things will go in the right direction and that that particular vaccine could be available for the first quarter of next year. It's based on information coming to from the companies, first of all, and also statements from the World Health Organization. And the government here has said uh, they have a strategy in place and it's for what people call a delay in vaccination. So it is to delay the virus and slow it down until the time for the vaccine is available. And that vaccine, I suppose you could say, is what's happening at the moment with these restrictions is the, the, the slowing down of the spread of the virus while they wait for a vaccine. So good news there. And if that all goes to plan, it seems that Pfizer reportedly anyhow has 100 million doses ready and that Ireland could be among the first to receive a batch if it gets the green light will know more over the course of next month but that is some positive news uh, with everything coming out and it would see a return to a more normal if you can if we can ever see or use the word normal uh, but it would, it would see us returning to some kind of normality anyhow next year which is good because that's what they were waiting for so some positive news when we are discussing COVID-19 uh, coming our way by way of a vaccine but then over the weekend also there was a survey carried out that reveals that just over half of Irish people would take a COVID-19 vaccine if one was made available. And the divide over the new jab comes uh, while certain medics are saying they're warning against thinking that the vaccine alone would eradicate this particular virus. They're saying, and this is coming from the uh, survey which was conducted by ISPOS MRBI uh, for the Irish Pharmaceutical Healthcare Association that represents the pharma industry here in Ireland. And that showed that just 55% of people said that they would take a COVID-19 vaccine if there was one available. Uh, Other respondents then were unsure why 12% said they would not take it at all. So it seems for many it's a waiting game. Uh, Maybe waiting to see how others react to the vaccine first. Not too sure, but whatever the case is, if there is a vaccine available, uh, you can be well sure that many countries that have access to this vaccine if it does come out, will try and get that country back to normal as fast as they can. I'm sure they would uh, for the economy and for everything else as well. But we'll have to wait and see what happens early days. But Pfizer quite confident. And of course, there is that one in Oxford as well uh, that are confident that these will be out for the latter part of this year. But it seems for quarter one, that's the first few months of next year, the vaccine could be available for us here in Ireland. So some good news in relation to COVID. And if you thought the housing market was on the way down because of everything going on. Well, you'd be wrong because it seems first-time buyers are leading the property market's bounce back and it seems that the charge is as high as ever with new mortgages on the up and it shows that almost a quarter of those with new mortgages were first-time buyers and also those who qualified for the help to buy scheme. So uh, while many of us might be looking or some who have already bought and some are still looking to buy a house, uh, it, you would hope maybe the prices would go down but it seems no. Prices are stable at the moment and still in some city areas, while there has been a reduction overall, prices are still at a level and increasing in some areas of our cities and indeed here in Cork across the county as well. Uh, So if you're in search for a new home, 
you might think that this is not the time but depending on your work status and your employment status if you're lucky enough to remain in work it could be the time as there is still a drive on for people who are buying new homes and an interesting report over the weekends and this goes back to our first lockdown when 74% of people said they attempted to bake during the first lockdown in March and April and then 29% of people said when they did take out the baking trays and the oven and all of that they baked banana bread but it did uh, undertake Curry's PC World to take on some research of what people are doing this time around and what happens. And the survey found that some of the oldest appliances in people's homes, including cookers, hair dryers, and electric carving knives and irons were being used over the last number of six to seven months. So it got us asking here about old appliances and something that might have been in the back of your press for a very, very long time. You may never have used it because we were a lot busier than we were this year running here, there and everywhere. But because things have slowed down, people are looking for uh, different aspects to do or even looking to clear a cupboard. So with that in mind, uh, they're asking about the oldest appliances that you have in your home and have you been looking around your home over the last while, maybe looking to declutter, but also realising you have some appliances that might be still working and working fine but others that might not be working so well but you still hang on to them I was trying to Bernie there beforehand and she says they have a gas cooker in their home 40 years old and still working away so have you something like that like our Bernie has in her house a gas cooker 40 years old works fine do you have something like that in your household let us know uh, we'll mention your old appliances across the show this morning that are still working away or maybe you have found something you forgot was in the press and you realise that it is working still and that you might make use of it over the next few months. Anyhow, let us know by text or WhatsApp 86 or you can call Bernie or Sadie 1850 But what is your feeling on all these fines being mentioned about over the last few days? And do you agree that people if they do breach the 5k rule or if they breach the COVID guidelines that they should be fined? Or you think it's going too far and that they're a bad idea? Well, the Solidarity Deputy Mick Barry for Cork North Central doesn't agree and he'll join us next. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. On the spot, fines will be introduced for those who breach COVID-19 guidelines. The Cabinet has agreed a new set of fines, which include a fine of €60 if you breach the 5K for the first offence and fines for house parties. Cork North Central Solidarity Deputy Mick Barry joins me on this. Good morning to you, Mick. Good morning to you, uh, JP. And Mick, you're not happy with these particular fines. Well, I think the first point is that uh, the virus needs to be pushed back and pushed back decisively. And I think that the majority, a big majority of ordinary people understand that. Um, And I think that uh, operating on the basis of uh, voluntary compliance, the virus can be pushed back. In large measure, that's what we succeeded in doing in the March, April, May period. And I think it could and should be the approach that's taken uh, uh, this time. Uh, I am concerned about uh, what seems to be a turn uh, in the government strategy. Um, Having failed to clamp down on the virus sufficiently over the summer, and particularly when maybe there were vested business interests in um, uh, not taking certain steps, I'm referring to uh, the free reign that was given in the, in, to the owners of the meat plants, uh, the failure to introduce uh, sick pay schemes, which would have a bigger impact on the likes of uh, nursing homes, uh, and to invest sufficiently in uh, testing and particularly tracing. 
The government now seems to be pursuing an agenda of blaming individuals and a policy of coercion, such as we see with the fines. Of course, you know, if the government were to be consistent on this, um, they would have a huge fine for uh, the organisation, which is possibly uh, the biggest breaker of the rules uh, when it comes to not heeding public health advice. And that's the government itself. Because the public health advice two weeks before the lockdown was that the state should move to level five. Uh, and the government chose not to follow that advice. And I think the result is that you have a lot more cases, you'll have more hospitalizations, and unfortunately, um, possibly more deaths as a result of that mistake. Well, the cases over the last few weeks are, or well, the last few days even, have been reducing, which is a positive step. But also, as you mentioned, the hospitals, there is a lot more than in hospital. Do you feel that if the fines are going to be introduced more and more over the next few weeks and, and people pick up those fines, that you could see a turn against everything that we've worked for over the last few months? Well, I think it's interesting that you've pointed out that there are signs uh, uh, emerging that um, the virus is beginning, and I would stress only beginning, uh, to be pushed back. Maybe more its rise being being somewhat halted uh, as opposed to the numbers being forced down dramatically at this stage. But that happened before the fines, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a sign that voluntary compliance uh, based on a high level of understanding on the part of the majority of the population. I know that there's always examples that can be given of people who are uh, uh, reckless and, and disregard the rules. Um, I, I think that's a sign that mass voluntary compliance can be effective and can work. And yes, uh, there is a danger that if the government who uh, let the owners of the meat plants off the hook, uh, let the owners of the private nursing homes off the hook by refusing to force them to bring in sick pay schemes for their staff, um, and so on, now runs a campaign of targeting groups and individuals and penalising people with fines, I think there, there, there is a danger uh, that it will undermine support for what needs to be done to push the virus back. Even with the fines, though, I, I, I would have confidence that the majority of ordinary people will see what needs to be done here and take the necessary steps. And would you say the callers then who feel now that there is too much control out there, that the majority of people are obeying the rules and they feel they're being punished because of a minority? And then you see certain protests across the country for this and that. Are you fearful when I mentioned a backlash there that the fines could go in the wrong way, that people may see this as an attack on them rather than them supporting what everybody was doing over the last six months, the majority anyhow, and trying to obey the advice given from the Department of Health on how you will stay away from someone and, you know, the two metres and wash your hands and all of that. Do you think because of introducing fines, the public may have a different attitude? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Uh, I, I think it's more the case that despite the fines and the government's attempts to coerce people, a majority of people will stick with the voluntary compliance, do the right thing, do the distancing, and wear the masks. But yes, I do think that the government's approach of the the stick rather than the carrot, so to speak, uh, risks undermining um, public... um, attitudes, consciousness uh, about what needs to be uh, to be done. Um, 
but then I from the government that, point of view Mick you could see then why when figures were increasing they felt something had to be done so you could see why they looked at the idea of fines like other countries were well when figures were increasing uh, the public health advice to the government was to move quite quickly to level 5 and the government chose to ignore that advice now, the government argument was that it was necessary in order to protect the economy and to save jobs. But, of course, it didn't take a rocket scientist to work out that if you didn't take the public health advice at that point, that the virus uh, would increase, uh, that the level five would have to be introduced later rather than sooner, and that it would be longer and likely to cost more, not just in terms of public health, but also in terms of the economy and the jobs. So, as I say... The, the biggest um, um, culprits when it comes to ignoring public health advice uh, has actually been uh, the government. And unfortunately, it, it looks like we're going to pay uh, a certain uh, price uh, for that. And what do you make of the tracing system? And, and we've heard so much over the last few days regarding tracing, and it seemed to be all over the place at one point. Uh, do they need to look more at this particular system, how this works? Yes, I mean, um, how many more important jobs are there in our society today than being a tracer, right? Uh, Now, arguably, there are more important jobs. I mean, uh, a nurse (laughs) is probably a more important job and and can become more so as the hospitals uh, begin to fill up. Uh, And I could give half a dozen other examples Mm. as well. But there's no doubt that being a tracer is a particularly important public service job uh, at the moment, and we had, you know, examples given on the floor of Dáil Éireann of uh, a university in Dublin, um, um, you know, being linked with a tracing operation where people uh, were being hired on zero-hour contracts, you know? I mean, these are not kids who are trying to make a few bob during the summer holidays mowing the lawns. These are, you know, science graduates who are being asked to do serious public health uh, uh, work yet in terms of their pay, their conditions, um, the precarious nature of, uh, of uh, the work. Um, that's a real sign uh, that something is amiss in terms of how a tracing system is put together. So better conditions for those who are carrying out the work because we have seen, we have heard only for people themselves contacting their friends or their family knowing that they were in a close contact of someone who tested positive for COVID-19 that only for them telling those who they knew they were in contact with it took about five or six days for the contact tracing team to tell them to tell their friends that that is so I mean if that's the case and someone doesn't tell somebody no wonder the figures are going up if you people walking around not knowing they're a close contact and walking into stores or walking into workplaces or wherever and they could be potentially spreading the virus yeah absolutely I agree with that although I, there is one point I do want to make picking mm. up on uh, something you, you mentioned earlier on that there are those who uh, point to the uh, mistakes that the government have made and to the vested interests that the government have been fearful of tackling, who say, you know, the public health strategy is all a load of rubbish and we don't need to worry about social distancing. And in particular, we don't need to worry about uh, masks. In fact, there have been demonstrations organised in Cork and Dublin and around the country uh, 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 in opposition uh, to the wearing of uh, of uh, masks. And I want to make it very clear that I do not support uh, that position. In fact, I would go so far to say 
is that if you're uh, unless you've got you know good health reasons for it, if you're uh, if you're anti-mask, you're anti-worker because who pays the price of you not wearing the mask? It's 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 the bus driver uh, who's driving your bus. It's the worker uh, who's serving you over the counter at the local shop. It's usually uh, uh, not the highest paid workers. Sometimes the lowest paid workers. So I think if you're anti-mask, you're 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 anti-worker, and I'm not a supporter of those demonstrations. Although I have to say I'm not a supporter of of the guards drawing batons against them either. So what should be done in that situation? We were talking about fines here, and for those who are against what's going on, and if you say you're against the guardy tackling with batons, should those people? Everybody's entitled to protest, obviously, in this country. But should those people be fined, or how can they deal with that particular situation that is going on that we're seeing right across uh, the country, more so elsewhere, and, and not a lot in Ireland, and it is only a minority. But when we speak about fines, would you rather them look at finding those? Uh, that type of behaviour rather than people who may be, for one reason or another, feel that they, they want to travel further than the 5k and they feel that they're being hit and they are adhering to rules. How, how, how would you decide on who to find if you're against fines? Yeah, OK. Um, well, I would do two things, um, JP. Uh, first of all, I would I would rely on the kind of approach that we had back in March, April, May of saying we want to create a high level of understanding, awareness and consciousness among the broad mass of the population, get buy-in from the broad mass of the population and get voluntary compliance on the social distancing, on the wearing of masks and on the other public health measures that need to be taken. Um, It wasn't perfect, but in large measure it worked then uh, and it can work again without masks. Um, Public opinion can be a pressure point. Uh, on a minority who uh, refuse to wear masks and, and think they can go about their their their, their day without them. Um, on the other hand, where I would clamp down, um, you know, I'm not going to give half a dozen examples here. Let's just focus on one that everyone is familiar with. The the idea that what went on in the meat plants over the summer um, could go on or should go on uh, without the state uh, watching carefully, blowing the whistle and intervening uh, to to stop what was going on there. Um, That's something that really, really jars with me. And it shows uh, on the part of the bosses in many of the meat plants, putting profits first above the health and safety of, first of all, their own workers, but then of society because of the way this virus uh, uh, transmits. And that the government didn't have the bottle uh, uh, to take them on. I, I think that they're they're, they're, they find it far easier uh, to go after um, the ordinary citizen who's not complying, who should be compliant, but who isn't complying, uh, rather than going after the big moneyed interests. And I, I think that's that's all wrong. Yeah, good point. And of course, the bill now allowing for those fines for breaching COVID-19 rules, it is becoming law uh, for the moment. Mick, before I let you go, Debenhams workers still out on the picket lines despite everything going on, as we mentioned, with COVID. Is there any end in sight on this? I mean, are, are they going to have to continue their pickets for a long time at this stage? Because nothing has changed in the last number of weeks. Yeah, well, I asked uh, the Taoiseach in the Dáil last week uh, as to whether KPMG would be permitted uh, to remove stock from the 11th Debenham stores over the course of the six-week uh, lockdown. Um, I think he indicated that uh, he didn't want to see that, um, but provided no clarity as to whether they were allowed uh, or not. I believe that the Workers' Trade Union mandate uh, had made queries of the liquidator and also uh, a number of uh, 
media outlets, um, but KPMG seem to be keeping their cards very close to their chest uh, and aren't providing clarity on this issue. So in that situation, I think the workers, who are overwhelmingly women, as you know, uh, feel the need to uh, continue the watch on the stores and feel the need to continue uh, picketing through the lockdown. And I think it's scandalous, actually, that the liquidators have put them in this position uh, in the middle of a public health emergency and a national uh, lockdown. And I also think it's equally scandalous that the government have refused to intervene uh, in order to say, no, look, that stock cannot be moved over the space of the next uh, six weeks. And more than that, um, uh, that we're calling some talks now to try and resolve this dispute, and the government is um, maybe waiving some of its claims over the uh, uh, the cash that would come from the liquidation in order to give the workers, give the women the two plus two, uh, the, the basic decent just redundancy settlements that's needed to resolve this dispute. Okay, maybe we'll wait and see what happens with that for the moment. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. That is Cork North Central Solidarity Deputy Mick Barry. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with JP McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Our lines are open. Bernie and City taking your calls this morning. 1850-333-103 if there's something you want to raise on the show. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. A lot of calls in, first of all, to what we were discussing with, uh, this was the Deputy McBarry on the issue of fines and what people, if people are in favour or if people are not in favour of fines for those who breach the COVID-19 guidelines. These fines now are now in place. The bill was passed over the weekend. And on that, first of all, Heidi on WhatsApp to 0862103103 says, I think if we all apply and stick to the rules as far as possible, then there is no need for fines. Just look at what's happening in the likes of Italy and Spain and Germany. The people there, they are protesting and it's against more harsh measures. We don't want that happening here in this country. So the government would want to tread carefully when it comes to those type of issues, says Heidi on WhatsApp. Author uh, feels that people don't know what they're doing at the moment when it comes to the guidelines. Author feels that they do need to bring in these fines to stop the spread of COVID-19. He says people don't know what they're at, what they're doing. And if COVID was never here, author says some people would need fines anyhow to limit their own actions, uh, says author, who says that even without COVID-19, when it came to other uh, illnesses and flus, he says before COVID came in a shopping centre, you would have people sneezing on top of you. And now it's more dangerous to do that but still people do so so he agrees with the fines that is coming from the government while Carol says I don't agree with the fines but I do agree with Deputy McBarry that the meat factories should have been tackled during the summer it's something that worried me where I live and I know a lot of our community and others were worried as well especially those with underlying conditions but it was not dealt with and a lot of it was swept under the carpet feels Carol when it came to the meat factory and the meat industry while Anthony agrees again with Mick uh, he again something similar to Carl he f- feels that the meat industry continued on while the public get fined and this is with the current fines uh, he feels that back in the summer something should have been tackled regarding the meat industry and now the public are getting fined maybe if things were dealt with sooner there would be lack of discussion for fining because we first of all Anthony says we might not need these fines but secondly the public might not ask a lot 
lot of questions when they saw everybody being treated the same. He says we don't see that at the moment when you look at the meat industry that McBarry raised. Uh, thank you for your calls and texts on that particular issue. And just away from that at the moment, someone has texted in to see if we can help her on this. This is the, you know, the superstar gas heaters, the the portable gas heaters that you would have a, a drum of gas in the back of them. And they'd be using to heat a kitchen or a living room or, or whatever in your home. But uh, this person wants to know where would you out there somewhere I'm not too sure what area this person is in but I presume somewhere in the Cork area uh, is there any place or person that can service a superstar gas heater and so I'm not too sure who you are but anybody that would know uh, in the Cork area of a, a place a shop a store or somebody that would service a superstar gas heater can we help Anne on text to 0862103103 do you know where she could find someone that can service that for her let us know this morning or in Indeed, you can call Bernie or indeed Sadie on 1850 uh, Staying with the issue of COVID and fines and all of that, Pat in Formoy says, if we all wear masks in public, 67% of people will be protected from COVID. Pat says he got that figure from the World Health Organization. So should we now be, all of us, Pat is asking, wearing masks in public, not only in stores, uh, but in public. I know that's something that they did in Paris uh, a few months ago whereby you had to wear a mask if you were outside I know for us it's mainly inside stores or supermarkets or wherever uh, but I I did see that over the summer months in Paris whereby if you were outside uh, that you had to wear a mask Pat asking should that be what we should be doing here now in Ireland considering the figures he got from the WHO on that thank you for your call Pat and on the issue first of all a few calls in from the Nakanevan area there's a burst water main there at the moment so if you have no water in that area it's because of that water main they're expecting uh, the water to be restored there after 4 o'clock this afternoon and earlier on we had a survey we were discussing and this was what people uh, took during the last lockdown earlier on this year what they took up a lot of that was baking but people found things in their homes that they had not used or were aware were actually still in their presses in their homes and this was a survey conducted by uh, PC World Curry's PC World world over the last few days over the last weekend even and with that in mind we were asking people what is the oldest appliance in your home uh, what do you think I mean we, we had earlier that it could be a cooker it could be a hair dryer it could be a, a carving knife or whatever I know Bernie earlier on was telling me that she has a, a gas cooker 40 years old still going strong in her home so we did ask people what do you have in your home uh, appliance wise that is old and we got a massive reaction on this so let's go through a few of those what you have in your home appliance wise that you still use or maybe you forgot you had and it is usable Jer says I have a set of carving knives that I totally forgot I had I used them recently while cooking a roast dinner so they have come in handy but only until I had time to go looking around the house and I started decluttering and cleaning a press I found these particular carving knives which have come in for good use but they must be nearly 30 if not 40 years old says Jer but working away perfectly thank you Jer for your text Kathleen says they have a gas oven in her home 30 years old we still use it and I prefer the gas oven 
to the electric oven, says Kathleen. I cook nearly everything on the gas oven rather than electric. And she's asking, are other people the same? Do you prefer using your gas oven uh, than your electric or is it just gas you have? Or have you switched from gas to electric and you wished you had kept your gas oven? Anyhow, Kathleen, uh, 30 years with her gas oven. So you're 10 years apart from Bernie with hers at 40. Anyhow, Louise says, we have a washing machine in our house. It's 20 years old and it still works fine for me. Uh, No fear with it. It washes the clothes 100% with our 20-year-old washing machine, says Louise. And Mark in Charnival says, we have a microwave in our home, 10 years old. Not sure should I be still using it 10 years later, but it works anyhow, uh, says Mark. And Linda, they have a fridge in their kitchen. She says they got it as a wedding present 25 years ago and it's still working fine. Linda, there we are. Some of your appliances that have been in your home for a long, long time. Uh, have you one in your home? A lot of people have, uh, like those people there, uh, items. 30 years, I think, was the oldest in that batch. Instead of Bernie's 40-year gas oven, uh, Kathleen's gas oven, 30 years. Uh, what have you in your hold? What, what have you come across in your home over the last number of days? If you obviously know if everybody is not travelling long distances and nobody's going away on holidays or... A lot of people are working from home, so most, anyhow, not all, but most have more times are more time even on their hands. So if you have and you are searching or cleaning out the house, what have you found and what appliance do you know is uh, old in your home? Uh, can we beat that particular survey that came out over the weekend? Uh, and it looks like we have already uh, with some of those. Uh, let us know uh, your old appliance in your home. What have you come across? 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And on the issue of the shops and the issue of shops. Some shops have closed, some shops have opened and some of the bigger stores are selling items that would have been available in smaller stores. A lot of calls on this this morning. Uh, first of all, Margaret uh, says the main card shop in her town, that has closed, but yet there are other shops then which are selling cards and uh, they might be selling newspapers and toys and that type of thing, but they're also selling cards. Now, Margaret feels that these are non-essential items. So why is it that the particular card shop that had to close, Bush then other stores that sell cards are open with the card section remaining open. Uh, Margaret Fields, it's unfair then on that card shop and other smaller shops in that same example that are closed while another store selling similar might be open. Uh, your viewers are welcome on that. I mean, we had calls and texts in on the show on Friday from people who felt that it was unfair to see larger supermarkets who were operating away and that they had certain parts of their store open now things have changed over the weekend because I was in some of those larger supermarkets and they have closed off a lot of their uh, sections that sell uh, things that you would get in smaller stores such as drapery and whatnot. Uh, but maybe they weren't so at the weekend but people felt that it was wrong to think that small businesses which are struggling as it was and then this closure happens last week and other stores are selling items that the smaller store would have and they felt that was unfair. Why should the small shop close and the bigger store that sells something similar is allowed to remain open and selling those actual goods? Uh, people not happy with that. A lot of the calls this morning. Anyhow, uh, let us know your view on that. We have callers who are aggrieved and, and feel that is wrong and that something needs to happen on that. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. 
And on today's job spot, we have opportunities which include Charnival Plant Hire. They're recruiting for an access fisher. You can email your details to info at cphlimited.ie. And a crush manager is wanted for cardiac childcare in Ballyhas near Mallow. Email your details to brindan at 2020hr.ie. An Arctic lorry driver is wanted for the North Cork area. Must be 25 with a full clean driving license. Contact John on 0861. 0861- 1409334 and the Irish Community Rapid Response in Rathcool they are recruiting for an administration and fundraising assistance full details are available on the C103 website where you'll get further details of that job and all those jobs I've mentioned and more just go now to c103.ie forward slash job Record today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 2103 and a lot of people this morning asking the question about small businesses and how some larger stores were open over the weekend selling items that would have been available in the smaller stores but they had to close. Councillor Deirdre O'Brien has got in contact with us this morning raising that particular issue. Good morning to you Deirdre. Good morning John Paul. This is something I presume you're hearing about as well. A lot of people saying it's unfair on how small businesses were closed and some may have thought they were classed as an essential service but were still told to close. Yeah, I do feel myself there's an unfairness to this lockdown, John Paul. And like, it's, there's not a level playing field here. You've local businesses, um, and so first of all, there's kind of the description between the, the breakdown between the essential and non-essential. If like, shops have closed because they feel that they're not selling uniforms, they're not selling, you know, they're not selling masks and visors. But like, that's not they, they can't just be selling other items if they are selling those items, the essential items. So what I find is that. And um, this, the lockdown has affected our small towns. And I suppose that's where we come from, the local businesses that um, give you specialist service there. All local businesses, they've gone over the call of duty in the last while with their mass, their sanitisation, social distancing. They've provided laneways in their shop. They've ample room going around for people. They're steaming the clothes. Even our hairdressers, our beauticians even, I feel, you know, have gone, were extremely compliant they would have screens up, they had masks, they would take your temperature. And I think, you know, if we've been, I suppose the multiples I always feel will survive. But I I had to actually go to Cork myself, started with an A&E in case I wonder why I was travelling beyond my, my level, uh, my distance. But, um, and I just, it was into town, we did the dumb stores. And like you, you shop selling, like picture frames, candles, you know, and there are things that our local small gift shops are selling and they are actually closed down. You know, and then there's also, um, we'll say workwear, there's um, fitness wear, like fit workwear. Our local shops, you'd shop in your local boutique here to buy something to wear to work if you don't have a uniform. Or, you you know, that you, you shop in your fitness, you pick up tops for um, track suits and things in the local fashion shop as well, that you wear for walking, whatever. So I feel it's not level. And I do think at the moment as well, the five metre distance, you know, with this five metre on us, so let's stay within our five metres and give it to our own local shop. The 5K you know, distance. Yeah, 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 the 5K, sorry. You know, that would be great um, to keep people locally and the fact that they their local shop they can go into who are compliant. And like we all know, we see their retail excellence are come out. They said there's nothing, there's no cases after being found in um, the retail sector, you know, in the shops. And so I, I feel it's very unlevel. And I suppose another thing is, you know, our local businesses, 
we need them to survive in our towns because they keep us all survive because they contribute an awful lot to um, the community in fundraising for schools, clubs, everything. You know, they're the first point of call that you go to when you're looking for money for something, you know. So they give it back that way. And I, and I look, another thing I suppose, they do help. I do think actually sometimes feel it's a little bit against women, this whole, um, this lockdown, because, you know, household budgets, you, a lot of the shops there, they operate um, a deposit system and people budget and they pay off so much per week. You know, like... Mr. Bezos from Amazon, and he'll be he'll well survive all of this. But like we think of our thousands of business and traders, and our artisans, and they have to keep their head above water. And like, can they weather this storm? So I do think you know that it, there is there should be a more level playing field. There has there is a lot of unfairness in this. And do you feel, Deirdre, over the last number of months, and I know this was evident not only here in Cork, but in other counties and, and suburbs as well of cities, whereby people weren't going to work and for the majority that maybe do travel to the city for work, they may uh, do their shopping in the city or some might feel the city's a day out and they would travel to the city for, for a shopping spree. But everybody's took local. Do you see the evidence there in Fermoy and Mitchellstown over the last number of months that the local towns were busier than the normal would have because I know it was evident in in towns I was in in Mallow in Bandon in Clonakilty uh, that they the level of shopping even though I'm sure business owners would like it to be higher but there did seem to be more crowds around as people weren't travelling to bigger cities or bigger shopping centres have you seen that over the last while oh definitely about three weeks ago like I'd done a few shops I would be a big shop lower down again who could take that from me and my family would be and I've called to a few shops and they have said to me that they had a great season. They said, yes, that it was very good. September was very good. And they were delighted with the way things were moving along. And that was like giftware and people shopping. They think they felt that people were shopping early for Christmas. They were keeping it local. There were more. Like people have been very good locally, I have to say. You know, wearing the masks, wearing the shops, you know, keeping their distance. There's definitely adherence to that all right. And I do think these shops were punished for something that they didn't commit, you know, that they, they've been so compliant and they did find business, they said that. They were just getting into their stride, really. And, you know, this time of the year is when people shop. You know, there's a lot of people shop early for Christmas. This, the new stock is coming to shops in September. And this is where, you know, people are out early, they're buying. You'll get the later shopper, but you'll also get the early shopper. So it was great, yeah. like, for the area. It's a crucial time for businesses because oh. the fact that the last quarter and when I mean quarter I mean usually from October until December is when a lot of people would make their money because as you mentioned it's Christmas people are buying presents and people want to shop local and we had a call earlier Deirdre from Margaret and she felt that her local card shop which she supports a lot that was closed while other big stores then selling cards were open so the point you're making the bigger retailers are open selling the items the smaller shops which are forced to close can't sell so you're taking away people from the towns that were busy over the last few months maybe to the bigger sections now I know over the weekend there are some of the big stores have closed off some of the for example the drapery sections but still as you mentioned they are selling items that the small stores are forced to close and cannot sell and that poses a worry for the local economy then and the running of the town. I mean, you mentioned rates. You mentioned sponsorship yeah. there of sporting teams. You won't have Amazon. Well, maybe they might, but I, I can't see them sponsoring the local uh, football or hurling team in, in Glanworth or in, in Fermoy or in Kilavonan or anywhere like that. They, I could be wrong, they might, but overall, was, I don't think so. Yeah, and another point there, John Paul, right? At the lockdown, when it was announced that it was, um, Thursday were going to lockdown, like Wednesday, the, the shops... You know, it, it was it people thronged, and even the um, the kids out. You know, the students out in Cork at night. 
you know, because this lockdown was coming, there was a big drive. Oh, my God, get shopping. Everyone rushed into town. Everybody went out on the Wednesday night because they weren't going to be out again for six weeks. Like, that doesn't solve anything. That just drives up the numbers. And you would see that again. When they reopen again, you'd have another bust out again. You know, so, like, let's, like, I think it's better off maintain a steady pay. You know, keep it, just keep, okay, look, there are people maybe non-compliant. You know, the guards may have to issue their fines, whatever. But, you know, and there are those that are very much in compliance and they're being punished. So you would have rather seen all the local shops in towns right across Cork and right across Ireland even remaining open. Uh, but would, that, would the government then come back and say that if we left all those doors open, you would have too many people going into the towns, going into the shops, they would have been mingling. And that's the reason that they're closing them, to have less people in smaller spaces. I mean, what would you say? I presume that's kind of a response they would give. Yeah, but the only thing is, like, you know, when you, there's, like, there's six weeks there that they're going to be closed. So there's people going to be um, wanting to go in when they open. So you're going to have a big bust out then at that stage, I feel. Mm. You know, and that's what I said, like, that for you people, like, Wednesday, I was like, oh, my God, if the numbers don't fly, go sky high the weekend. Because I knew you'd see Tuesday, Wednesday, people shopping mad even. And I saw shops in Michigan as the jeepers. They said, where's social, you know, it was so hard to manage today. It was just gone crazy, and people coming in wrap and get buying Christmas gifts and getting things wrapped and everything because they just said, "Oh my God, we've six weeks, but maybe it could go on longer." There was this uncertainty about it. Maybe like just keep like we have to manage this better. We just have to comply, and look, no one knows when we're going to get out of this. So you just you have to kind of live within the sense that wear our masks, do our sanitization, keep your hands on, keep your distance, and let let the businesses run because. You know, they have a business. They, they won't survive. They won't be there next year if we don't look after them now. You mentioned that about not being there next year. I know we spoke to Michael O'Donovan of the Cork Vintners and he knew and was aware of bars that would not be reopening because of everything that has gone on over the last year. Are you fearful when it comes to a local town and then obviously enough rights issues from a council point of view that you will have a situation whereby everything kind of seems okay now and maybe if things progress into 2021 and we are in a more positive note that the effect of this could be seen next summer or this time next year when a lot of businesses may close because of what has happened now? Yeah, I do, John Paul. I do because like they're paying business are closed now at the moment, they're possibly still paying their rents. Um, okay, they've got a rebate on their rates and that but like they have stock. Stock comes in, that stock needs to be paid for at full price. They're not going to get discounts on that. So if they're not able to sell that, then if they open up and sell at a discount rate, they're going to make no profit. You know, so it's it's very difficult to survive in a business and there's no incentives. Like I know myself, I was in business myself and there there's very little out there support are you running your own retail business and I, I would find it very I could see that it would be difficult for a lot of them to maintain to kind of keep their household bills paid keep their cost of living and and um, if your business isn't working and I could see this will be a problem and if people do get into that going online it's very hard to get them back to shopping local again you know if they get comfortable with a website they'll go on that and they'll you know it's where it's like um, if you if they know realise that they go into town they can buy it they can catch up feel it you know and you can buy it there and then and you know fits perfect whatever but like if you get this habit of this um, buying online it's very hard to shake it up to get rid of that again to get them back in shopping locally 
Yeah, and we've seen it over the years, the changing face of retail from maybe in the 80s and 90s, you would have had, for example, a lot of TVs, local TV stores selling TVs, radios, whatever, in a particular town, you know, whatever town you're thinking of, and they could be four or five local retailers. Now you're lucky to have one because people are going to the bigger units and the bigger TV stores that have come into this country over the last number of years. And that's something that you don't want to happen when it comes to... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Localism in, in any town. You want to keep yeah. that local factor there. You do indeed. And like, I suppose even, you know, I suppose the ladies wear shops and the men's wear shops. Like these are places you're looking at kind of maybe the, the middle age and they want to go out, they want to try it on, they want to be told how it looks on them. The younger, we like, I suppose, lots of generally the stuff will sit them and they'll be grand yeah, and they'll the personal touch. over clothes and they do do that. But, you know, when you get to someone that wants to buy a coat, they're going to spend maybe a, what, a couple of hundred on a coat. They want to buy a nice, but they want to make sure it's right, it looks well and they'll get the wear out of it, you know. And they like to go in and get that special treatment because they are spending their money. And that's what we get from our local business, our boutiques. And that we lose that if we don't mind it. So you can understand, Deirdre, why the government have made this decision, though, to reduce the spread and why we are in this uh, level five lockdown at the moment. Uh, you understand that and you understand I the do. measures and the, the health advice. Yeah, I do. You know, but I kind of think, are we actually hitting the wrong sector? Is there an unfairness here? You know, is like we all know, look, they've said there about meat factories. Now. But like, let's clamp down on those that are spreading it, but not, not penalise those that are actually being compliant. And, you know, as I say, why is this, gush of people coming out and then they're all retracting then they're all back out again that doesn't help that um, what they say it's going to spike and whatever you know it's, you just need to kind of keep a bit of um, I, I feel our towns anyway it's not look thank God we have been doing well in local towns you know that um, let's maintain it now you know can keep going the way we were going we were doing okay um, but I do think that we've kind of put a bit of I think we've kind of put a crosses in people as well at the moment that you've done this because you know, you can drive through the town now and you see it's like a ghost town. And it was just coming back nicely with people. There was a few people coming out and about, supporting bits and pieces. And it was grand. You know, we don't have big populations here. So it was just nicely managed. But I feel now that we've actually, you know, we those towns 
they might be gone before, you know, if it, did, if it did keeps going the way it's going. So what would you be calling for while we remain in, in level five? Are you recalling for the, the, the government to go back and reopen yeah, smaller stores? To review what, yeah, what has been done and see, like, help these businesses. This is crisis time for them coming up to Christmas. If we don't do this, it's going, like, if we keep going, if we keep closed for six weeks, then we open up. There's going to be a big bust out for, um, to the few weeks up to Christmas and then we're back to square one in, in January. So if they have to close down again in January, sure, this is it, this is three seasons ruined for them, you know. And while so, you've contacted us this morning on this, Deirdre, I mean, you're a Fianna Fáil councillor here in Cork. Have you made known to Antichuk Micheál Martin on how you feel and what should be done? Yeah, there was well, one of the um, shops did um, write in directly herself, all right. And what was his response? Well, it was um, kind of acknowledged her letter, but she hasn't said anything back on it. And actually just saying that as well, like a lot of these small businesses would actually have been, I suppose, they'd be doing it as if um, they're self-employed, but they would have probably gone into a pension age. And if they're, bit, you know, I suppose they're at last now that they're getting their pension, but, and they were at this was their site, this was their business, but they're not getting nothing. They're not getting their COVID payment. They're getting no support because they're actually um, already on a, a social welfare payment. So, it's, you know, it's different for them now as well. You know, we're all encouraged to stay working for as long as you can. And we've been talking about pushing up the pension age, which I haven't been in agreement with. But there was talks of that. But, like, if that's the case, then there should be some supports for them, you know. It's, it's you know, it's difficult to run, to pay your rent. Your bills, your bills are still there. Um, your bills are still there. Your rents are still there. But you're only getting your old age pension. And you're still running your, your business and the old pension is not enough to keep the business going, all right? Exactly. And have you yourself spoken to uh, Micheál Martin or anybody else within no. government? I think, yeah. But you call, I suppose it's kind of, some of these came very much to light at the weekend, I suppose, when I kind of was through my own towns and saw, you know, how dismal the whole thing was. But I think at this stage it's time. And as I say, knowing that people, the shops have been compliant, yeah, it's definitely something I would be um, pushing further. Um yeah, as I say, it's kind of something I have mentioned in the background, but I haven't kind of gone strong on it. But I think at this stage, it needs a louder voice. OK, and what about the fines? We spoke there earlier to the Cork North Central Deputy, Mick Barry. He doesn't agree with the issuing of fines. He would rather people and the government would look at adhering and enforcing COVID measures as in telling people to adhere to the washing the hands and wearing the face mask and look towards that more than fining people. He feels it's wrong. Uh, what do you, would you agree with him on that regarding the fines? Or do you think the fines are necessary to curtail people that they don't break the the guidelines, especially maybe the 5K rule? Yeah, I suppose it's like everything, John Paul. You know, we all know what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And there are people that are fantastic loads this year, but there will be people that won't. And maybe it's, you know, it, it's probably the way to start, um, what they say, to punish people that they would adhere. Because there are, you know, as a death probably where I make the point, point that the, these businesses have been fantastic. But, you know, and people have been very compliant in the street, but there are areas probably there, look, we've all heard different areas where there is um, non-compliance. And that's, the, um, that's where that area needs to be addressed. You know, there is, look, probably... Probably the drinking, you know, there's probably the cheating, probably, you know, you know yourself like there's mm. different things going on out there. They need to be addressed, certainly, all right. But I would think that um, don't penalise those that are compliant. But it's like, look, it's like anything. You're not going to, it's, it's look how often we'd be on about um, dog feces and all that. And it, we all say it has to be enforcement. It's the only thing that would make people, you know, it's the same as speedy on the roads. You know, that, that, that um, you can put up all the signs you like, but there's some people that just break the speed. And you can see why they need these fines in place. Yeah, 
I do. Yeah, yeah. there is. You know, there. I think there has to be. Yes, definitely. And I think that was agreement. That was what people said really when the lockdown was coming. That you know there needs to be more. Um, what let's say punishment in this there needs to be more fining. There needs to be more enforcement of the the law that people were breaking it, and that you people then, as I say, you have the innocent being punished. Okay, well, Mags is on text to 0862103103. She says we, I presume this is in the past, they drove through France and, and a number of small towns in France, in France one day. And I presume at that stage the towns were busy. This was before lockdown. Now, though, uh, when she's back here in Ireland, she notices the towns here in Cork that are like ghost towns with nothing open. And all the big shopping centres here are miles away, whereby that is going to attract those in smaller towns to go go to the big shopping centres because at the moment she feels they're open the smaller towns are not so you're driving people out as you the point you made uh, Deirdre is that people now are looking to the bigger retailers and maybe they're going to certain places and, and not shopping in wherever their their local town is Yeah and like you can travel the unfairness there is you can travel beyond your 5k and um, for essential Yeah shopping. for essential and, shopping you know, So that is driving them to the city yeah to the, the you know into the bigger shopping areas yeah, uh, this is another Deirdre here. I agree with what Deirdre is saying. I'm a small business owner and I'm furious at what has happened. I'm aware of bigger retailers selling the same stock that I am, yet my stock is sitting on the shelves that I have paid for and I cannot make money. This is the season at the last run up to Christmas. It's when I make my money and indeed it pays the bills for the first quarter of next year, does the last quarter of this year, says Deirdre. While Jack says, I totally agree with Councillor Deirdre. Uh, on, on what she has raised this morning it is frustrating to see other stores which sell items on, that smaller stores do continuing to trade it's either a shutdown for all or not a shutdown at all uh, while Marion says I agree this 5k rule is a bit of a farce if you can travel more than 5k for essential goods then you go for your grocery shopping to a big supermarket and you can buy items that your corner shop could be closed for or could or your other local shops such as a gift shop or your card shop or even stationery shops that are closed while the stationery can still be sold in major supermarkets. So yeah, people have have the same view, uh, Deirdre feels something needs to be done about this. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, there's, there's no talk of anything changing in the next few weeks, but it is something uh, that you've opened up this morning as a discussion and the majority of people agree with you, especially businesses like yes. that other Deirdre that is, was, was on who has a business and feels this quarter is the quarter that pays for her business and pays her bills uh, for the first few months of next year. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I agree, as I say, look, as I say, John Paul, I had a business myself, self-employed as well, and I know exactly how it runs, you know, and... Mm. Yes, what do you office. make then of uh, there's a person here who's texting and is saying that some shops that are open in, in uh, smaller shops that are open in towns have decided to become uh, shops selling essential services that never sold them before I mean do you think those stores were right to go and invest in selling uh, PPE gear maybe or something that is considered essential so they can keep their doors open yeah but see the guidelines at the moment is that you need to separate out your essential and your non-essential so you should be separating your shop because I had a shop rang me and she's selling school uniforms and they also sell fashion wear and I said like that's what I guided her I said look you know that um, you can you can sell your fashion wear you can sell your school uniform it just means that you have to segregate your shop and I said if you want clarification that even ring the guards to corner because they would be the ones that would come in and enforce and she came back and she said yes they said exactly what you said Deirdre but see that's what See, this is where the, yeah, the, the, what do I say, the breakdown is, like, we don't know what's the essential and the non-essential. 
And like that's why I said earlier on, like the people have got into getting got into masks and workwear, you know, and that kind of gives them the, the right to open. But in actual fact, they can only sell those masks and workwear. They shouldn't be selling their fashion clothes. But that hasn't happened. Now, I know you're saying there's supposed to be clamped down this morning on it. Um, but, you know, still at the same time, I don't know if this right either. I don't want to close up places either. I think there must be a better way of managing this. And you would rather see the local stores who, where you're saying you, you physically, if you were in there, there's no major problems. Social distancing is being adhered to. And you would rather them smaller stores, which are now closed, open in smaller towns to have the economy going in local towns, whereby, you, again, you say that there's no threat of COVID. There's no big shoppers, no big gangs in those towns. Yeah, that's it, that's it. And I suppose, you know, I could nearly say this about the beauticians and the hairdressers. Yeah. They have been extremely compliant. Um, you know, like they're taking the temperature, they have their masks on, they're sanitising the areas, you're in your own cubicle, there's social distancing adhered to it. Same with nail bars, they have screens up, they're wearing gloves, masks, they're sanitising. You know, that it's, that, you know, it kind of, like, I don't know, there's, there's just seem, they just seem to have kicked on a cohort there and I do think it's a bit unfair. Well, we'll wait and see. I mean, I know they were out over the weekend and Antonis Leo Veracker was out and he said they would be issuing and, and checking the stores that are open, especially the bigger stores, I think, is what people were yeah. angry about, that they were still selling clothes and selling those items you mentioned while smaller stores were closed and shut up and the big retailers were open selling everything. Uh, that has changed in some supermarkets yesterday and I've seen that myself and people are texting in saying the bigger stores have closed off drapery sections. Yeah. I presume it's all of them. I don't know if some still have theirs open. Anyhow, we'll wait and see what happens and if you hear anything more, Deirdre, let us know. But a lot of people are agreeing this morning and are worried for the future of our towns. Uh, Jack uh, saying, I agree with Deirdre because the big worry here, I'm involved with sport in my local town and if our local sponsor goes, then who will we get to sponsor? It's very hard to get sponsorship at the moment for a sporting club and if those stores decide over the next year to shut up, it will have a knock-on effect, not only on the town, but on sporting and community clubs, says Jack on text 86 uh, Deirdre, we'll leave it there and we'll see what happens over the course of the next few days. But uh, thanks for joining us to raise Very that particular issue. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Deirdre O'Brien there. Uh, and do you agree with her? Many people do. Let us know. Your thoughts are welcome. 1850-333-103. Do you feel it's unfair that small retailers and towns are closed while the bigger supermarkets selling similar goods are open and some are still selling those goods that the smaller stores have been forced to close cannot sell. You can text or WhatsApp 86 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 And on if retail should be staying open, especially the smaller retail units in towns, a lot of people getting... Uh, a re- big reaction to this people angry over what is happening the fact that bigger stores are open selling the items that smaller stores had to close for and Texa here says it's very simple about the businesses the ones which were opened in March as essential services should be the only ones opened now not the ones who have decided to become essential services while Sandy says I do not agree with the list of trading lockdown shops it would be far better if shops could set a number for each shop and allow trading and avoid the Christmas 
shopping rust or shopping online, which also affects jobs. Previous lockdowns almost broke retailers, but COVID was a new virus and the ideas were new and we did not have the PPE to combat. However, now we have and mask up and fine all who are not wearing a mask, if not in family cars or alone in vehicles, says Sandy on text to 0862103103. While John, when we're discussing shop local, has a different view. And John says, it's all very well saying to shop local, but prices online for many goods are 40% cheaper, says John. Many local shops have big markups and the internet makes prices transparent. If you want people to shop local, you must give value for money, says John. And Joan says, I feel all the drapery shops should stay open. We can't go to many places and they sell, for example, tights, underwear, nightgowns and other essential items. People aren't going to uh, picking, go in, picking out outfits, etc. It should be either all or nothing, uh, says Joan on uh, phones to Bernie and Sadie. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Regarding shops in your local towns, those that are closed, many feel if the bigger stores are open, selling those items, they should be too. Let us know. You can email across the morning as well. JP at c103.ie. Court today. Court today. With JP McNamara on C103. C103. Afternoon to you. Lines are open. 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls, or you can text a WhatsApp 0862-103-103. A lot of calls and comments in on various issues. First of all, to do with the fines we spoke about earlier. And this is how some people feel the fines are, are wrong. And one of those is uh, the Cork North Central Deputy McBarry, who feels the wrong way of going about it. He would rather more enforcement on people who and telling people to wash their hands and, and that type of thing rather than a fining on that. John says, by bringing in fines, they will turn the people of Ireland against the Gardaí. The Doyle have lost the run of themselves, according to John, uh, bringing in these particular laws and not abiding by them themselves. It's one law for them and another for us, feels John. While Michael says, I don't agree with McBarry, but he has a point about the meat factories that something should have been done regarding meat factories during the summer and now is it that we are paying the price with fines and a person here who says oh at last we have a cure for the virus in way of fines and well on, on that side of a cure for the virus I'm not too sure if, if it's a 100% cure or not but there is as I mentioned earlier on in the show vaccines by Pfizer's and vaccines in Oxford as well hopefully uh, they reckon by the end of this year, if everything goes well, the Pfizer vaccine uh, will be more or less in place and it will be the first quarter of next year uh, when Ireland could avail of that. Whether that will not or happen or not, we'll have to wait and see over the next few weeks. They'll know in November, but uh, the Tonish uh, was speaking about that at the weekend, Leif Riker, and he was hopeful anyhow. And I suppose at this stage, it's hope we all need. So if there's any talk of a, a vaccine for this virus, which as many medics have said, that might not be enough to get rid of that virus but still a vaccine would enable the country to return to some type of normality if a vaccine is approved is worked on and Ireland can get access
access to that vaccine. But yeah, there's a bit of hope at the weekend regarding uh, the virus with that vaccine we mentioned earlier on in the show. And hopefully that will work for us because we do need hope at this stage. And moving on to the issue of Level 5. And we spoke regarding retail and how some feel it's unfair that smaller retailers are closed while the bigger retailers are open selling what the smaller retailer would sell and where is the unfair advantage there that the smaller retailer is open and some over the weekend have said they have closed off certain sections of the big shops but some continue to sell items that a smaller store can't and a lot of what we're getting is uh, gifts uh, such as gifts like stationery gifts or uh, birthday cards that the big stores are selling them while a local card shop and a local stationery shop has to close but if people go to a bigger store uh, then they can pick up what they want there and it's unfair and the smaller retailers and Councillor Deirdre O'Brien joined us earlier she rang the programme this morning uh, uh, fearful of the future of local retail that if this was to continue uh, how can they compete against the large stores when they're open and the smaller stores aren't and making the point that when it comes to your local uh, GAA your local soccer club it is the local stores will give you the sponsorship and not the major online retailers Uh, and that's the point she was making and fearful for the future if this continues on again but on that a texter here saying if there is any hope of lifting the lockdown for Christmas then everyone should be wearing masks when they're leaving their homes the local parks were packed yesterday and over the weekend with parents and children but uh, this person feels no one was practising social distancing so it's inevitable that the numbers will keep rising but the enforcement of fines may be the deterrent to some of the rule breakers Uh, Liz saying we are a very small economy and a very close economy so closing uh, the economy forever is going to destroy our small economy here in Ireland and on the shops the texts are here saying why did they close our closed shops if they are not essential I live in Bandon and no shop uh, that sells underwear or kids clothing in normal times is now open they're all shut so if I did need to get underwear or kids clothing I would have to go over my 5k what are people meant to do uh, when we want to go and buy local how can we buy local now asking what was the decision to close those type of retailers and Carol saying I should have thought that card shops we mention card shops a lot because we get a lot of calls and texts from people who are running card shops and people who always go into their local card shop and feel now that their local stationery or card shop is closed but yet the bigger supermarkets are selling cards and how is that fair on the smaller retailer? Well, Carol feels uh, she would have thought that card shops were essential, especially now that Unpost is doing free post to nursing homes. A card or a note would brighten up loads of people's days, uh, says Carol on text to 0862103103. And a lot of calls and texts in uh, regarding different stores and how unfair it is, as we brought to you before midday there as well, and having the big retailers open, small retailers close, and uh, what that could do. Uh, to the industry as a whole and more calls and comments I'll get back to that in a while because I have a lot of texts in and a lot of calls in uh, from people who have older appliances remember we mentioned this earlier and this is from a survey done over the weekend by PC World on looking at what people have been doing over the last few months many have been looking around their homes finding old appliances that they might have forgotten about but other people have realised then that they're using appliances that are 30 or 40 years old and I mentioned uh, a good few of the 
Louise earlier on for people who text and WhatsApp. And here's more from people who have realised that they have an appliance in their home that could be 30 or 40 years old. Helen says, I have a dishwasher. It's 30 years old. It's very good. Not getting rid of it, says Helen. Uh, Mary has a cooker since 1962 and it's working great. While Tim says, we have an integrated fridge since 1992. Still working. No problems there. And a person has texted in with a picture on WhatsApp and this is, you know those old phones whereby you had to put your finger in to the phone and turn it around for it to make a call? Uh, one of those phones? Well, yeah, she has this particular old phone still and she's wondering does it come under an appliance? Well, maybe not an appliance but still, it's something you have in your household for a very, very long time and those phones are making a comeback. They're retro, they're cool again so hang on to that phone you have there. Thank you for your WhatsApp. Jack in Canturk has a fridge since 1966 and Jack says it's still working perfect no fear with that and staying with the old appliances you have and people have stories as well on their appliances a lot of people got these appliances whatever they are as a wedding present and still have them to this day and and here a listener from Mitchellstown has texted in and says I have a baking tin used continuously for the past 53 years and it is in perfect condition and I wouldn't part with it. Unfortunately, the cooker it came with is long gone. I also had a washing machine and tumble dryer until last year, both of which had lasted me 20 years. I don't think appliances are made to last anymore, uh, says that listener in Mitchellstown. Yeah, I think you're right uh, from what we're hearing anything bought in the last few years anyhow. Uh, isn't lasting as long as they would have had 30 or 40 years ago. Thank you for your text. And Margaret is in Charnival. She says, I have a 31-year-old dryer. We used it with cloth nappies and I also have a microwave that's 34 years old and I got that microwave as a wedding present and both are still working away, says Margaret in Charnival. It's interesting to hear and see how many people have got items as wedding presents such as a microwave and somebody else got carving knives uh, and another I think a mixing a baking mixing uh, set was something else someone got earlier on on text that they got for wedding presents and they still have them to this day and they're working fine so it's good to hear the stories behind the appliances as well and your old appliances you have in your home that are working well and Magella is in for Moy and she has a Krupp's handheld food mixer for 40 years. It was my mother's and she had it for a good number of years before me. Uh, Magella says it must be over 50 years old and it works perfectly. Well, there you go now, Magella. In for my thank you for your WhatsApp. Uh, 50 years or more for the handheld food mixer. Uh, somebody else here has a coffee maker for 36 years. Hello, Eileen. A uh, coffee maker for 36 years and a person has texted in. They say they have a dustbin. Does that count? A dustbin for 24 years. Thank you for your text. Also a few texts in uh, saying... Uh, I wouldn't consider them appliances but Anne saying my husband I have him for 64 years and Martin says the oldest appliance in my home is myself thank you for that Martin in for my on text 0862103103 back to the issue of retail I keep your uh, texts and calls coming by the way on the old appliances you have in your home uh, like those people that are 30 40 years old they're working perfectly and how you got them and it's nice to hear the stories on uh, their, maybe your mother handing you down 
a food mixer, for example, like Magella in Formoy or the Mitchellstown listener who was given items over the years. Uh, one of them came with an oven, a tin that came with the, the baking tin that came with the oven. And it's going beyond 53 years. Maybe it's something you have that you've got with another appliance or like Margaret in Charnival uh, getting wedding presents. A lot of people still, uh, maybe 30 or 40 years ago, would have received wedding presents. They still have them. So your old appliances, uh, what are they and how old are they? And tell us the story behind how you got it. Let us know. Uh, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Hi to Ronnie in Mallow who has an electric three-bar fire almost 56 years old and it was a wedding present and it's still going strong. Thank you, Ronnie in Mallow for that. Now, uh, back to the issue of the stores. Meg has texted in regarding the stores and she agrees with the callers who are saying that it's unfair that you know some shops are open as some shops are closed, for example, again, the, the card is a big issue. The stationery and card shops, the smaller ones are closed, but yet you can go into a big retail store and they can sell uh, cars and stationery items. So how fair is that? Meg saying it's all down to the letter of the law. You have the guarded checkpoints last week and now you have gardeners that can work. But the garden centres are closed, says Meg. That is affecting a lot of gardeners who would go into certain centres to get products they can't in certain areas of the county, says Meg on text to 0862103103. Somebody is asking about driving tests and are driving tests, are they classified as an essential service? Well, they are. And we discussed that with the RSA last week. And if you're an essential worker, you can still uh, go for your driving tests. And it is, is a permission to have those driving tests. And we have checked that out for you this morning with the Road Safety Authority. And what they say is if you are going with an approved driving instructor, they have been classified as providing an essential service. So you can go and have your driving test still. Uh, and they're giving these to essential workers. You can continue to uh, get that. If you go along, you can make a book yourself with your own driving test person uh, but you can still go and and have lessons for your driving test with those approved driving instructors uh, the RSA say if you are an essential worker and while we were speaking then about stores and fines and why people should be some feel we should not have fines some people feel we should have fines because not everybody will obey uh, by the guidance that is given and maybe fines will make them obey by the guidance and mixed views as you heard all morning regarding the fines uh, fine or not to fine uh, but on that a texter here says I went into my takeaway or a takeaway last night in my local town I rang in so I was coming in to collect my order which I had phoned in earlier I was met with two men they were customers both inside not wearing masks and no social distancing. Also, no social distancing instructions available anywhere on the walls. Uh, nothing mentioned. Uh, so a beggar's belief on why some people are obeying and some people aren't, uh, says that particular texter regarding going into a takeaway and no signs of warning uh, of what is happening at the moment. Uh, thank you for your text. A lot of people reacting to Anne earlier. Anne, by the way, is in Mallow. And she was asking, would anybody know where you can find or find some place that would service a superstar gas heater? You know, those portable gas heaters, any place out there that you can or that you know of that would service a superstar gas heater. Uh, thank you to Noel, who was on earlier. Noel says at the back of the Mercy Hospital, there is a camping shop that services superstar heaters. So they should be able to help. And Anne is in the Mallow area. If anybody knows of an area locally that is open at the moment, uh, let us know. You can call Bernie or Sadie 1850 333103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. 
And Pat has been on with something that he has seen over the weekend in where he, he is living. Uh, Pat said he's just travelling down the road from where he lives and he's noticed a lot of scramblers in the woods. Now, uh, the other day he spotted this and he says he's pretty positive that they aren't locals. So he went over and spoke to one of them. Now, they would not tell him where they were from and the scramblers had no registration plates on them so he assumes they would have travelled over the 5k to get to these woods and his concerns uh, as they not from the area so what are they bringing with them I suppose you're asking Pat especially when you're living near the area yeah that was a, uh, a worry if they're not locals where have they travelled from and it's something we do hear about a lot not only during COVID but outside of COVID as well people going to areas that maybe they shouldn't be in or especially when it comes to scramblers because they can be fairly loud at night time or late in the evening especially as it gets dark now uh, around 5 o'clock or so and if it's 7 o'clock in the evening and you're hearing scramblers and you live alone it can frighten people so yeah it is, a, it is a worry for some Pat and it is a question to be asked on where they came from if you think they're not locals and maybe they did travel outside of 5k I am not sure uh, but thank you for your call to 1850 A regular councillor Joe Heffern is going to join us shortly as well uh, on this, we're going to discuss trauma uh, following calls we've got in this morning and we'll we'll talk about that in a while uh, but your texts and whatsapps are welcome on 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie And the Irish Cancer Society they're seeking volunteer drivers to help transport cancer patients to and from their hospital for chemo treatments. Volunteers are needed across Cork to keep this vital service running so the role is weekdays only and you must be able to commit to a full day when driving. All drivers must have a roadworthy vehicle and an active email address and a valid driver's licence. If you're interested you can apply for this and get more information on the Irish Cancer Society website at cancer.ie and Cove GAA they continue their online Zoom bingo that goes ahead every Sunday at 8 o'clock you can check out their Facebook page for details or indeed get more information on the Cork Diary section of the C103 website at c103.ie Cork today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 2103 103 and on the shop local how so many local retailers are closed and again the issue of big retailers open and the unfairness of having a big store open selling items that a small store has been closed and cannot sell. Anne says the big shops should not be allowed to sell anything except food. All the hardware and clothes should be in a separate shop, says Anne. Now, some have done that in the last few days, but overall that wasn't the case. And that's what people were angry about. And it was raised this morning on the show by a number of texters and WhatsAppers. And also, uh, Councillor Deirdre O'Brien uh, contacted the show earlier this morning with her concerns on the future then of retail in rural towns because they give so much back by way of sponsorship to local clubs and the knock-on effect that could have. Uh, Joan says, I think Deirdre is right. That's Councillor Deirdre O'Brien we spoke with before midday. I won't be dashing into a shop. I'll be buying online because I don't want to put myself in a shop situation. So I won't be able to shop local because it's just too scary and stressful, says Joan. But if they are left open, shops I could go into, I would when it was quiet. But it would be just far too busy now in December because when they reopen, every 
everybody will have to go in together so they should have kept the local shops open while Eleanor says I live in a town and there's a very big shop that's selling an array and a variety of stuff so why can't they stay open and the other shops thin are closed it's not fair on those smaller shops that sell sell similar items but are closed yet the big store is selling everything and remains open and James says when we were speaking about clothes he says how come clothes are not essential especially for children surely clothes should be classed as essential says James on 1850 333103 and Tom uh, is asking Cove why did the politicians close the clothes shops and then let the off licences stay open which is more important clothes or alcohol Good point. Tom and Cove on 1850-333-103. On your old appliances, that survey at the weekend, people finding they have appliances for a very, very long time. I have a number, massive response to this, a number of WhatsApps in here. We mentioned some of those earlier people with older appliances. First of all, uh, this is Catherine in Castleton Roach. Uh, hello to you, Catherine, saying, my washing machine is 25 years old and it's working great. So well done. Uh, thank you, Catherine, on the old appliances. Also, Jer, uh, in Newmarket says I have an electric carving knife I got through green shield stamps it is over 46 years old and it works perfectly 46 years old uh, the electric carving knives uh, during Newmarket got that via the green shield stamps do you remember those we did a a piece or a feature on those a number of years ago on the show Uh, can you remember those the green shield stamps thank you Ger in Newmarket and Catherine says I have a Kenwood chef mixer that is 41 years old it gave up last year and I bought a new one and I did not really like the new one so a very good friend had a look at the old one and he got it working and it's going perfect I'm delighted says Catherine on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and another uh, chef mixer is from Donal and Anne who were tuned to the show who said we got a chef mixer for our wedding and we still have it and still use it a lot it's fantastic to have uh, items like that from your wedding day to remember your wedding and items that are still working and uh, Margaret uh, who has an old cup that she got in secondary school it's a normal mug but she still has it not an appliance but still has a lot of memories for her uh, from her time growing up uh, thank you uh, for your text and WhatsApp regarding uh, the old appliances there's a, a lot more coming through I won't get to them all but thank you uh, for sending those in to us and going back on the shutdown of shops Ruth uh, has a message on this and she feels it's uh, she feels I don't think it's about picking on or targeting on individual businesses but rather about restricting our movement as much as possible in an effort to control the spread of the virus the less shops businesses and sports available the better chance we have to restrict our movement and the sooner we all start complying the better than we have the sooner we'll be out the other side says Ruth on WhatsApp to 0862103103 a lot of calls and texts in regarding those issues and we will get back to those if not on the show today we'll get to those tomorrow but I want to go to Joe Heffernan next uh, and we did earlier on in the show uh, we were joined by Anne Mooney the Southern correspondent with the Irish Sun and she was joining us considering what happened yesterday in Alice Asselis between Kenturk and Castle Magner. Uh, she was joining us on, on that story and the shock that is in the communities and following that we had people who, who were shocked and 
who are just following on from what we spoke about earlier on how do you deal with that in a community we, we heard uh, from the local community of Castle Magna and how they were numb today and how people are just looking on how you deal with this situation and, and the help that is there for the community. Our regular councillor Joe Heffernan was going to talk on a, on a different topic today but we're going to touch on the issue of trauma uh, in an instant like this and we'll be joined by Joe next. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And just a final few comments in. First of all, in retail. And one person that is in retail says, I agree with a lot of people on their comments on how some bigger stores are open and smaller stores are not. And the smaller stores then are losing out because the bigger stores are selling uh, their products. Well, on this, I agree we may not have a levying level playing fields for example pharmacies are open selling their Christmas stock because they are essential but hairdressers beauty saloons cannot sell their gifts only online what will happen when everything reopens I sell skincare which will expire after three to six months because of active ingredients what happens in that situation uh, says Thomas Ema on email to jp at c103.ie and on the old appliances uh, well this mightn't be an appliance but it's an electric clock and this texture says I got this electric clock 39 years ago as a wedding present and it still works today uh, says that person so hello to you and Anne saying I have a Nokia mobile phone with 14 years four Christmases last a week without charging well, 14 years and last a week without charging. You won't find a lot of newer phones lasting a week without charging. Thank you for that. And on text to 86 2103 and on email, and Mary says, I have a potato masher, a simple tool that my mother used every day while rearing the family of seven about 50 years ago. At one stage, the handle became loose and my father welded it on again. I would not get rid of it for anything. It represents my family life, especially the bond of my parents so many years ago. Thank you, Mary, uh, for your email. And it just shows we mentioned about the old appliances and we have a list of people who have appliances that they have for years and years. Jim and Bannon colleagues saying they have a dishwasher for 68 years. That's a long time for a dishwasher. Thank you, Jim, for your text. We also had people who had appliances and there's a meaning behind the appliance you might think how was there a meaning behind an appliance they got that as a wedding present but like they are from Mary and the fact that that a simple tool the potato masher uh, was something that her mother had all those years ago her father mended it and it represents a lot more to her than just a potato masher anyhow thank you for sharing your appliance stories and uh, the stories behind them and how old they are this morning a huge reaction uh, to that so thank you for your calls and texts now we're joined as usual as we always are on a Tuesday afternoon by our regular councillor Joe Heffernan Joe good afternoon to you good afternoon JP and before we go any further you want to share a story that you've had and this is to do with could be affecting a lot of people working from home and you've had an issue uh, getting through and using phones just tell us your story right well I'm doing remote work for the HSE and um, uh, a lot of people are helped by the contact now regularly the uh, the uh, the the phone etc um consultation is followed up by email and uh, i'm one of the people who um stayed with aircom.net uh, and i paid them the 599 per month 
because of the inconvenience um, of trying to contact everyone and saying, I've now changed. So, um, uh, I got this thing of, um, uh, oh, that my settings were out of date and I couldn't get into my email. So, after hours of trying to contact them last Friday, um, uh, I got an answer and etc., uh, etc., et and I was told at the end of it, you will now be locked out for 24 hours. But that was last Friday, and up to this very moment in time, I still haven't got my emails. So you can't access your email for work purposes? Exactly, and it's important. It's very important to the people who would be getting, you know, for example, we'll be talking in the minute about trauma. Mm. Now, the, um, the, the article, the whatever the word is, the document that I have on trauma... Um, for example, things to try following a trauma, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, that could be of great help to somebody um, that after a consultation on the phone, whatever, um, that I could then send them that. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, I mean, I have got feedback that what you emailed there, Joe, was extremely helpful, and thank you very much. So I'm just finding it impossible. Um, I have a number for just the webmail people, but um, uh, you know I'm listening to music for hours. You're pressing one, two, three, and all of that, but can't get through to speak to anybody. Exactly. Yeah. And while ago, just to cap it, um, uh, after hours of the music thing, um, some guy answered the phone, and uh, Mary said, "If you'll hold on one second, I'll get Joe." I was actually preparing. Uh, the material for mm. our um, slot today. So I literally ran in uh, to the computer and um, nobody there. So, you know, being asked to hold on, what, maybe 30 seconds uh, was too much for the person. Um, I'm really sick of it. Um, I, I, um, a friend of mine, a businessman, said to me that he thinks that they are actually want to get rid of the webmail business. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe so if they're, they're charging for it. So blooming difficult yeah. for people that eventually we'll all bail out and go somewhere else. And, yeah, it is frustrating. It is. And especially when you can't speak to anybody, it is very frustrating. Oh, and, and that's the big thing we get here. We get inundated uh, with calls regarding phone services and there's only so much uh, a person can do but yeah there is a big problem there with phone services and customer yeah. service and it's something that has been raised in the doyle over the last number of months as well so yeah. nothing has beca- has come out of that as yet but hopefully it will uh, over well, the next while so EJP can do anything to help me in this he'd have contacts that I wouldn't have <laughs> leave it with us Joe we'll see what we can do uh, yeah. on that and I know you want to discuss trauma today I do and the reason we're discussing this and I know we had something else planned but given some of the calls and texts we have got yes. today uh, earlier on the show you might have heard me speaking to Anne Mooney I did indeed. Uh, from the Irish Sun she's the Southern Correspondent she was in Canturk and Castle Magna yesterday and the reason was for the events that unfolded yeah. in the townland of Asilis uh, there yesterday it's really sad it's a heartbreaking story we've discussed the story we've discussed what happened we're not going to get back into that you know yeah. you would have heard that earlier on the show yeah. again our thoughts are with the family the friends um, ex- and the uh, entire community Spot on, and I would like to add my condolences to the family, and um, especially Anne, 
uh, O'Sullivan, and um, oh my God, it's beyond belief. But um, yeah, so I think it is fitting um, to try and give some little bit of help about um, uh, trauma. Because the the reason we're doing this, again, Joe, just to let people know, is we've had people from the community who have contacted us following that interview who were just feeling numb is yes. what they said to us. And I know we heard from Paul Gallagher of Castle Magna Jane. That's yes, the phrase I he used as well. And it's just to provide some comfort for that community yeah. today in whatever way we can without yeah. getting back into what happened. We've Absolutely. done that earlier on the start of the show. This is just for someone who was going uh, through that trauma of what is happening Absolutely. in a community and how they can deal with that and, and you're well expert uh, on on how this and h- how you deal with a situation like this in a community, Joe. Yeah. Um, uh, CISM, um, Critical Incident Stress Management, is a course that I teach in UCC and I have gone to many a place doing what we call a CISD. Um, that's a Critical Incident Stress Debriefing. Now, the thing about it is that with all the restrictions that are going on and that you don't have people gathered in one room, um, I don't know that that's uh, even feasible now. Mm. But um, uh, the trouble is that post-traumatic stress can turn into post-traumatic stress disorder if it's not attended to. Um, And I have a thing that I... uh, A handout that I give for the critical incident stress work and um, I, I can call out um, many of the um, uh, items on it now um, that might prove helpful uh, to people who are undoubtedly traumatised. Um, I have spoken to many Gardaí and, uh, and soldiers returning from abroad um, and, uh, you know, the things they see are traumatising. I, I, I read where one guard said that it was the worst sight he has seen in 20 years, uh, in, in all the 20 years of his service to the state. And, um, uh, you know, I, I have done critical incident stress management courses for the likes of uh, Shannon Dock and where people go out to bad road crashes and what they see is traumatising. And uh, so I hope that the few things that I will be saying today on C103 will will be a, a little bit of solace for somebody out there who is traumatised uh, by what has happened. And just take us to uh, the, the first few notes you have here, Joe, on this. Right. And I, and I suppose in a situation after the first number of hours or days, uh, when we hear people saying they're numb and what can they do in, in that situation and people just feel like they want to reach out to each other. Yeah. Well, the 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 first thing I would say is that these feelings are normal. And one of the things that I would say very much in these circumstances are you are a normal person reacting in a normal way to a very abnormal event. So the abnormality is in the event. I remember talking to a man one time, and when he heard all this, he said, oh, thank God, Joe, he said, um, so I'm not going crazy. And I said, no, you're not. What you're um, uh, experiencing is normal. Now, like, um, difficulty with concentration, uh, flashbacks, um, difficulty making decisions, 
um, uh, you know, fear, uh, emotional numbing, uh, anger, irritability, anxiety, um, all of those, uh, or some of those, follow a trauma. The, the three things uh, following a trauma are avoidance, intrusion, and hypervigilance. Now, in ordinary lay terms, um, you know, I don't want to be reading any more about the event. I don't want to um, walk down that lane. Um, uh, they're just fairly simplistic examples of that. Uh, um, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Now, um, the second one is intrusion. That would be flashbacks. In other words, vivid, lifelike memories of what one has seen. And hypervigilance would be, you know, that if somebody dropped a biro behind your back, that you would jump. Um, uh, being ultra, ultra uh, vigilant. Um, uh, and that's known as a startle reaction. Again, normal. And I think that's the big word that uh, I, I do that work for the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation. And um, uh, one of the big things um, that we would stress is the normality of these reactions. And I think it's good for people to hear that even though the reactions may be startling and may be uh, frightening, that they're normal. They're normal. The abnormality is in what happened. Um, and one thing that has come up here is people and their sleep and sleep patterns oh, yeah. and how people have felt they haven't slept or are waking up in the middle of the night thinking about those incidents and things. How would you handle that or how can they handle that? Well, the thing is that the normalising might even help because nightmares and startle reaction. Uh, and uh, difficulty with sleep are all high up on the list of um, uh, the reactions to a trauma. So um, uh, a person uh, might find it helpful saying to him or herself, look, um, I'm a normal person and this is a normal reaction to a terrible event and um, things will improve with time and one of the big things uh, would be talk to people um you may not feel like it but to talk about how you feel um uh, like not to bottle stuff up um one of the things there would be um on on one of my handouts would be to be aware uh, of the um the the normal reactions and um uh, to reach out, people do care, and to maintain as normal a schedule in one's day as possible. To spend time with others, don't go to the bedroom, close the door, and um, and, and and cut yourself up off. Um, and and to realise that um, everyone else is under extreme stress as well, and uh, it's not a time to make any big life changes. Um, one needs to kind of process this awfulness that has happened. But do make as many daily decisions as possible, and that will give you back a feeling of control over your life. Even, for example, a small thing like if someone asks you what you want to eat, um, you know, say something, even if you're not sure. Uh, 
try to get rest. And here's a, maybe a strange one. Don't try to fight recurring thoughts, dreams or flashbacks. They are normal and they will decrease over time and become less painful and less frightening. And I think that is um, uh, a reassurance um, for somebody going through this because um, uh, the, and, and to talk with people um, and to say how you are and feel quite entitled to feel awful. Um, as the kind of uh, phrase I heard a bit recently, um, it's okay to not be okay. Hmm. Of course you wouldn't be okay. Um, it would be very, very strange if you could just sail through this, if you were in any way. And in fact, even those of us who um, only heard the television and radio reports and all that. Uh, but one of the one of the vital things is to make sure that post-traumatic stress, which is normal, does not turn into post-traumatic stress disorder. And that means that all of these um, things that can happen in person, that they, they, they become embedded. They stick into the person. So for family, friends and family, spend time with the traumatized person, uh, offer assistance, reassure the person, and help with everyday tasks, cleaning, cooking, caring for the family, whatever. And give the person some private time and don't take anger or other feelings personally. The person is under ferocious pressure and they're not going to be logical and they're not going to have an emphasis, <coughs> excuse me, on being polite. Yeah, and, and you're, you're right there. And just for people to watch out for each other and be aware of everything you mentioned yeah. there, Joe. Yeah. Uh, Joe, thank you for that advice. Um, a lot of people hopefully will find comfort in that uh, and how reacting to trauma over the next number of days. Before we let you go, Joe, on something totally different, back to your air situation, you'd be glad to know you're not alone. I've got a number of texts in from people who say they were in a similar situation as Joe. One texter said, after many days of trying to phone, instead of getting fed up and hanging up, I put my phone on speaker and went about my business yeah. after a short 90 minutes 90 minutes an hour and a half God, the call was finally answered by a human this guy was very pleasant and helpful and sorted out my email in a matter of seconds but re- with regards to the move by air how had they got away with this I have had my air account for more than 20 years and all my businesses has been done through this it would be impossible for me like Joe to change to a new address in a few weeks so yeah. You're not alone, Joe. That's yeah. all I can say there on that. And best of luck yeah. to you on that. I must go to news at one, Joe. But thanks for joining us uh, this yeah. afternoon with those words. And we'll chat to you again next week. That's Joe Heffernan there, an accredited counsellor in Boherbui. You can contact him on 029-76617. My thanks to Bernie Murphy and Sadie Madden for working on the show today. Nick Richards is along from one, playing Corks to Greatest Hits right through until four, where Martino continues from four to seven uh, with Drive Time. Eric along then from seven with uh, Anthony and from Eight Country and Irish. Until tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, I'm John Paul McNamara with C103 News at 1 next. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.